I were to uh, check your pulse and see how you were doing on this day, I think there'd be just a myriad of, of uh, different places that we would find ourselves. Um, today is Mother's Day. And as I shared in the prayer earlier, if you are sitting at home and your kids, grandkids are around you, if you're here and your kids and grandkids are present, there's probably not a better day. But because of COVID and restrictions and the separation that we have had, many have not seen their kids or grandkids in a long, long time. Or this day brings with us, with it a kind of a heaviness for those whose dream of being a mother has just not been realized. Or your mom is no longer tangibly present. Or as I shared earlier, was, uh, fell short of what a mom ought to be. And, uh, or that as a mom, you have put one of your children's hands in the Lord's hand. And, and so today has, has a lot of different emotions. And uh, to top it all off, the, the frustration with the COVID vi uh, virus and the social distancing, the political struggles that we see, the social struggles that are just in front of us all the time makes this uh, a disappointing and, and a very frustrating time in our lives. And so you, you might find your blood pressure rising and your faith maybe wavering. And you might be asking God, where are you in all of this? Do you care? Now, I hate to admit it, there are several professions that this are, are very difficult this time. Being a police officer is one of them. Another, believe it or not, is being a pastor of a church. You see, we have facing, everything goes well. We're, we're visionaries, and then we hit a wall, and, and we can't see beyond this COVID wall. It's something that, that we were not trained for and, and are unprepared to deal with in so many ways. And so we're trying to get a perspective on what's next and around the corner and how to speak into this, this whole thing. And um, I am so glad that we're preaching through the Bible. And uh, for those who are joining in online, we've been doing this for a long time. There are, um, and we've gone through the Old Testament and now we're in the New Testament. And today there's not a more appropriate or a better book for us than the book, and, and that's wrong because it's not really a book, letter, some would say, to the Hebrews. But if you look at it, and as we read it together this week, you'll notice it's not like any other letter in the New Testament. So it's not really a book, and it's not really a letter Scholars believe it's more like a sermon. And, and I think if that's true, then it's a Presbyterian sermon. Now, the reason I say it's a Presbyterian sermon, because in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, as the writer closes off the sermon, letter, book, 
The writer writes, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Thirteen chapters. That's why I think it's a Presbyterian sermon. It just goes on and on and on and on. Now, what is the letter about? Well, the letter or the sermon is dealing with a very a group of very frustrated people who are Jewish, who because um, they have made a, a, a commitment to Jesus Christ, they are messianic Jewish folks who see Jesus as the Savior. Because of that, they have been rejected by their families. They've probably maybe lost property. They may have lost their business. And they are being persecuted by the government, let alone the Jewish authorities at the time because they've left the Jewish tradition to follow this one called Jesus the Christ. And it appears that they're about, because of all the struggles, they're ready to give up on their faith. They've had it up to here with how life is going and they're ready to check out. And so the question is, have you felt that way recently? In all the struggles and difficulties, frustrations, dead ends, have you felt like maybe, maybe this isn't for me, maybe it isn't as real as I thought? If so, then this morning is for you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do stand in difficult times, times we were not prepared for and couldn't even see happening, times of uncertainty. So help us to be certain of the one thing that will get us through, and that is you. Open our eyes and our hearts to all that you would have for us. May the Holy Spirit take the words that are written on the page of your scripture and write them on our hearts that we would be changed. And that if anything would hinder us hearing you, that you would remove it. For we've come to see Jesus, to leave here more in love with him and more like him. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So if you were discouraged in your faith, and maybe you're not, but maybe somebody in your family is, what would they need to hear? What would you need to hear that would give you confidence, that would give you a, a I can get through this understanding what would you need to hear? What kind of perspective would you need to have? With well, a writer of Hebrews, because that's what he's facing, folks who are giving up on the faith. The first thing he wants to, them to see is how great and how big God is. Bigger than anything that they face. And the, the letter, the sermon starts out by saying, You've heard long ago that God spoke through the prophets, but very recently, he no longer spoke through people called prophets. He came himself incarnate, mean in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. God did not stay distant speaking to us from out there, but God came here very close so that he could reveal himself to us and 
Here's what you also need to hear this morning. That the writer of Hebrews says, we have one, a God, who can identify with our frustrations, who can identify with our pain, who can identify with our loneliness because Jesus experienced all of those. No other God in any other faith tradition is a God like this. Every faith tradition has this system that if you want God to like you, you've got to climb this ladder. You've got to do these certain things. Christianity, God leaves heaven's throne and becomes like us to help us become like him. There is no God like this one who's found in Jesus Christ. In fact, he writes in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the radiance of God's glory. Now, one day when that big yellow thing in the sky appears again and you go out, you cannot look into the sun because it is so bright. But we can see the rays of the sun that reflect the glory and the power of the sun. And the writer is saying that part of the sun that you can't look into, we see in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. It's like when the king back then signed an edict. He would take uh, and roll the scroll and put wax on it. He would take his signet ring and would put it into the wax. And that wax imprint was the exact image of the king's ring. It was as if the king was there himself. Jesus is that exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by his word. That's the first thing he wants you to know. How big God is. How personal God is. And a God who can identify with our struggles and our pain and our sorrow. That's the first thing. The second thing he would want you to know is his track record with people who had faith in him. Through having faith in him, they were able to efface some amazing happenings in their life, especially in the midst of difficulties. And so, embedded in this sermon in chapter 11 is a litany of people who, by faith in God, accomplished incredible things in the midst of great difficulties. And that writer of Hebrews starts out in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Now let me just parse some of that for you. The word assurance there is the same word where we get the word title deed. Now, I have a title deed to my house. 
It says, I own this. It belongs to no one else. It is mine. I can trust my ownership. Faith is trusting in the assurance, the title deed of things hoped for. Now, for us, in the English language, when we have the word hope, we, we kind of think it's a wish. Oh, I, I wish it would stop raining. I wish the sun would come out. I wish I had better prepared for Mother's Day. I wish. But in the Bible, in Greek, the Hebrew is a certainty that you can count on. So, faith is the title deed to the certainty of God and the conviction of things not seen and the assurance that even though you can't see what's happening, God has got you in the midst of this. That is an amazing statement. Our faith is a title deed to what we know to be true because of the word of God. Even though we can't always see how it's going to come out or work itself out. Now you would say, well, Jerry, I don't have that much faith. And I would say, oh, yes, you do. Because I stood by the door when you came into the church. Not one of you, when they opened the door for you, did this. To make sure the ground was going to hold you. None of you went over to the wall and made sure it was solid. Or examined the ceiling to make sure it wasn't going to fall in. You walked in faith that you were going to be safe in this place. And I watched you sit down in the pew. None of you went like this to check it out. Most of you just plopped right down, knowing that it was strong enough to hold you. You had a title deed to what you knew to be true, and you acted on it. We have faith in lots of things, and we take it for granted. The question is, do we have faith in the Lord? Or are we like the hitchhiker that was, you know, kind of going along the trail, tripped over a tree root, fell over the side of the cliff, and on the way down grabbed a vine and was holding on for dear life and thought they would pray, dear Lord, help me. Help me, I'll do anything. Anything you ask, help me. And a voice comes and says, okay, let go of the branch. And you pause. And you say, is there anyone else up there that can help me? Are we willing to trust in the one who says, I have you. I have you. To assure the Hebrew, the Jewish Hebrews, uh, the, the Christian Hebrews of the day that the Lord had them, he comes up with this example after example where God has been faithful and faithful and faithful to so many people. It's an amazing litany of people. These are people who by faith, comma, bop, 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 did this, did that, left family, left businesses, 
went on a journey. They, they did incredible things by faith. They faced, they sacrificed, knowing it was going to be okay, even though they couldn't see how it was going to come out. For instance, Hebrews 11.35, and because it's Mother's Day and we don't have a lot of time, I won't go through the whole chapter, but 11.35 to 38. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. How impressive this list of folks who faced more than just the COVID virus and social distancing. They were people of amazing faith. I love verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. What a powerful statement. What a wonderful thing to put on a tombstone. The world was not worthy of them. You want to stand up. You want to cheer. You want to say, way to go. And then there's this statement that's crazy that comes after it in Hebrews. It's one of the last verses after 38. Their lives have been disrupted. Look at verse 39 to 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. What? They went through all of that and they closed their eyes in this world and they didn't receive the promise? It says, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now here's what that means. They didn't receive the promise because they died before the birth of Jesus. The promise that was given in Genesis chapter 3 that the offspring of a woman would come back and do battle with the evil one and return everything to its proper order. They lived before Christmas. They lived before the Christmas event. They never saw, they saw God's goodness along the way, but they never saw the promise because that was yet to come. And what the writer is saying, but we who are on this side of the cross, this side of the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, we get to come back to the cross as God's way of restoring us, and we get to meet the people from the Old Testament at the cross, at the resurrection. That's the perfect time where the old and the new come together to celebrate the the goodness of God, the, the fulfillment of the promises of God. They look forward and we look back. And then my favorite part of Hebrews. Therefore. So after this whole litany of 
by faith, by faith, by faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded. Now he's writing to those Jewish Hebrews, but he's also writing to us. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Let us run with perseverance, endurance, the race that is set before us. Here's what I want you to picture. I want you to picture the Summer Olympics. I want you to picture the marathon and these runners who are running this race. And, and as you know, the end of the race happens in the Olympic Coliseum where the runners come in for the last lap and they come in. And what happens when they come in? The crowd, no matter what country you're with, stands to cheer them on. And, and they've run this incredible race around. And the, the crowd just applauding what they have done and what they are doing. And the writer of Hebrews says, my friends, there is a plethora of people in the heavens cheering you on in the midst of whatever difficulty you are facing and you're saying I okay I get that but how can I maintain the race I'm tired it's difficult he goes on he goes on looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him of bringing us back into a relationship with our Heavenly Father endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Because when you run, if you can see the finish line, you can make it. Jesus is at the finish line with nail-scarred hands holding them out. I love you. I am with you. But look what he is. He is the author of our faith. We have faith because Jesus began it in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only does he implant it in us, he is the perfecter of our faith. He causes it to grow. The more that we see him, the more that we run in his direction. And that's where people cheer us on. And I can't wait for vacation Bible school. Because that's what we get to do with the children of this church. We get to cheer them on in their faith. We, need to, we get to encourage them. We need to pat them on the back. We can socially distance, give them hugs. We can tell them about Jesus who will be with them their entire life, who's the author and perfecter of their faith. We do the same by supporting the middle and high school ministries, by praying for them, by putting our lives next to teenagers, even by buying meals on Saturday night. We applaud, we cheer on can you think of the folks in your past who have cheered you on on the sidelines? Moms and dads, uncles, grandparents, neighbors, a youth leader, a church, a pastor, a friend, 
a co-worker, a boss. We're part of, we're being cheered on and we get to be part of cheering on to those who are finding the world a complicated thing. And it's, it's time to end. Two things I want you to think about as you leave. Maybe three, maybe three. The first is I, I, I played high school football. I, I played college football for one week. And uh, I never made it to the pros. I am not in the pro hall of fame. I'm not in the college hall of fame. I'm probably not even in my high school hall of fame. I'm not in the baseball hall of fame. I'm not in the basketball hall of fame. And I could go on. But there's one hall of fame that I qualify for. The hall of fame of faith. And not only of having faith, but taking a step forward in that faith. And so can you. And you might say, Jerry, I don't have that much faith. (laughs) Jesus said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, which was the smallest seed of the day, you have enough to move a mountain. And there are mountains, my friends, these days all around us. So what would history say about you with your mustard seed faith? By faith, Jerry, dot, dot, dot. By faith, you put your name in there and see where the Lord would have you step with title deed that he is with you has a plan for you even though this side of heaven you might not see the outcome you think about that amen Amen. pray with me gracious heavenly father I thank you for uh, the hall of fame those men and women who had mustard seed faith and put one foot in front of another and walked who never experienced this side of heaven your promise, but oh, that other side. And we get to celebrate as they celebrate us. May we be known as men and women of faith. And if there's anyone here who does not know you, that is trying to get through the frustrations of this world on their own, may they take that mustard seed size faith and fall into your arms and trust that you gave your life that they might have eternal life. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.